Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us for this episode of This Week in the Word today. We're going to be going to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to see a great message today from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, I'm glad you joined us. This is our 151st episode that people can find free anytime, anywhere at dredhill.podbean.com, the home of This Week in the Word. Well, you're here early, so let's get to it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now, as I mentioned, this is a series we've been in from the Gospel of Matthew entitled Matthew's Messiah. Matthew, of course, was the disciple who became an apostle, and he became the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. And he's explaining, presenting the Lord Jesus Christ to his own people, the Jewish people, because Matthew, his Jewish name was Levi. So he wants his own people to know that Jesus Christ is the long-promised Messiah. So let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We've already looked at the Sermon in the Mount beginning in Matthew 6, and um, excuse me, Matthew 5, and then in Matthew 6, and now we will see it finished today in Matthew chapter 7. How many parents do we have listening right now? Raise your hands. Yes, I see those hands through my ability, through my podcast. Actually, I don't, but I assume you're raising your hand. Well, I'm a parent. (laughs) Every parent who has had teenagers has been here and done this. The parent says, about your driving 76 miles an hour in a school zone. The teenager says, you're judging me. The parent should say, yep but I'm judging your actions, not you, and we're going to get it fixed. (laughs) That's what the parents should say. But how often have we had people that we needed to give guidance to, constructive criticism, direct counsel, leadership to, and they said back to us, you can't judge me. You're judging me. That's wrong. Blah, 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 blah. Well, we've all heard that. Maybe we've even said it. Today, we're going to look at this whole idea of judgment. Now, judgment, I I just have to say this at the start. Judgment is part of survival. If you don't have some degree of judgment, you will not live long on planet Earth. For example, if you go hiking in the woods in Norway, well, maybe not so much in Norway, but if you go hiking in the woods In the United States, you're going to run across snakes. Some of the snakes are harmless, non-venomous. Some are very harmful. They are venomous. And if you get bit, you will at least have a problem, if not die. Judgment is part of survival. We use judgment and we succeed. We use judgment and we live longer. But if we're clueless, then we can expect failure and even death 
will be our lot if we try to go through life with zero judgment. So the title of the episode today is Spiritual Judgment. Spiritual Judgment from Matthew 7. Now the difference between being judgmental, which we're not to do, and being judicious, acting like a judge, having good judgment, is simply this. Let me put it in these terms. If we are being judgmental, then we've decided that we are the judge, jury, and executioner of someone, that we're just going to cut them off, there's no hope, that's it. Or using the judgment of Solomon. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, many of you know the story of the two women who claimed that one baby, each claimed it was their baby. So Matthew said the way to deal with this is divide the child in half and both get half of the child. Problem solved, right? Well, of course, he had the wisdom of God and he knew that the true mother would never want her baby harmed and would not agree to that and offer for the other woman to have the baby so that her child could live. He got that wisdom from God. Amen? So we're not talking today about being judgmental, which everybody gets tired of, and and we get worn out with that in a hurry. It works on our last good nerve when somebody's being judgmental toward us. But that does not mean we should not exercise good judgment two completely different things. Now, in the last section of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been teaching us the difference and how to live successfully using spiritual judgment in daily life and spiritual life. I said he has been teaching. What I mean to say he is, is he is teaching. He already taught it, of course. But he is teaching us the difference and how to have a successful life using spiritual judgment in our daily life and our spiritual life. So the use of spiritual judgment will also do something else. Are you ready for this? If you use it or not, it will determine your eternal destiny, where you're going to live forever. Did you know that we are created by God as eternal beings? We will live forever somewhere. And there's only two places told to us in the Bible. That is, we will live forever with him in heaven because we have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, or we will live forever apart from him in a place that Jesus himself called hell because we refused the finished work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've said, just like the crowd did at the trials of Jesus, that they, that they wanted Barabbas, not Jesus, right? And depending on what we do with Jesus, using spiritual judgment or not, will determine our eternal destiny. Let's go right to Matthew 7, 
And we're going to read all of the verses, but we're going to read them in sections at a time. So these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So here we're told not to be going around condemning everybody, all right? That is not to characterize our life. And he points out here that if you do that, if you dish it out, you better be ready to take it because you will get it back multiplied. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Verse 3, And why beholdest thou the mote? That's like a little speck of something uh, dust. Let's say, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? And I notice here, this is our, our brother. So it would talk about a faith community. We're related. It's not talking about uh, just some random person. This is a person that we're supposed to love and care for. Amen. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. And I think when, perhaps when he said this, there was maybe a chuckle in the audience listening. Because if you think of this mental picture, here I am, I'm all exercised about a tiny speck in your eye but I've got a telephone pole sticking out of my own eye. <laughs> that would make people laugh. Just the absurdity of that. So I think now he has their attention. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye. And behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. There we go again, back to that idea of a play actor playing a part, not the real thing. So if we're doing that, you know, we're not doing the right thing, all right? Verse five, thou hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Now notice he doesn't stop there. We're to take care of our own matters first. Keep ourselves in line first, Right? But then notice this, because it is our brother, we're to help him. Watch this. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So, you know, we are to do that, but with the right spirit, a spirit of humility and compassion, not judge, jury, and executioner, right? Verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Now, the dogs often symbolized, were symbolized by, um, do, let me put it this way, the word dogs was often used to refer to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. I've never been Jewish. So I would be considered, I guess, to some of these people, a dog, all right? Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls are pearls expensive and sought after? Yes. 
Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you, like turn on you and eat you up. What's he talking about here? All right, let's, let's look at this. I'm to have enough spiritual judgment that I am judicious in what I present to people. If somebody's just an outright complete mocker and scorner of the things of God, I'm probably not going to waste my time trying to get through to them. Now, if God tells me to, that's different. But I'm to look for the people who are open to truth, right? And he says, Give not that which is holy under the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. So, for example, let's say that I had uh, five tracks. Those are gospel tracks. Like a, you may not know what those are. A little, a very small uh, two-page pamphlet that tells something about Jesus Christ or something about some Bible truth. Okay, so maybe I've got five of those, and I'm looking for the people all day that I might politely give them to, or to leave so that they find them. Did you know? Somebody studied this and they found out that the average lifespan of a gospel track is, I think, 19 users. When a gospel track is given to someone or left somewhere and someone picks it up, they don't throw it away. That's the amazing thing. They will keep it. They will give it to someone and it will go through about 19 hands before it uh, gets torn up, lost, thrown away, or falls apart, right? So if I have five of them and I'm trying to figure out who to give them to that day, I want the Lord to guide me. Am I going to give them to somebody that doesn't seem interested in the slightest about the things of God or walks around the office mocking the Bible and mocking Christians? I mean, I could, right? But that might not be the person to give it to that day. Maybe they're not ready. I'm going to look for the people who are ready. Does that make sense? You know, everybody's not ready to hear what God has taught us. Bear that in mind and let God guide you to who you need to speak to. Does that make sense to you? Use spiritual judgment with people. But let's also see that he talks here about using spiritual judgment in prayer. Verse 7. And by the way, one thing before I go any further. Just so you know where he says in verses 1 and 2, Judge not that ye be not judged, for what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Right? Remember that? I'm going to prove to you that doesn't mean that we're not to call something like it is when we need to do that. Because later, he's going to talk about false prophets. Right? And, and we are to recognize them for what they are, call them out and not be taken in by them. So this is not the idea that we can never say to someone from the Bible, hey, what you're, the way you're living or what you're saying or what you're doing, especially if they're a Christian, is definitely off base and you need to get, you need to get straightened out again. There is a place for that. But, but again, we're not to be condemnatory. We're not to write people off with finality. We're not God, all right? Even in church discipline, when we do it right, 
which is hard to do, by the way, but when we try to do that right, the whole aim of that is to bring that person back around to repentance, right? Of course I'm right. I know I'm right. <laughs> that's, the, that's what the Bible says. All right, now, what about using spiritual judgment in prayer? Verse 7 of Matthew 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So remember to do that in prayer, even when it seems like our prayers are not being answered. Do it anyway. And I'm going to show you why we can do that in faith. Um, and, and it also is the principle of a car is easier to steer when it's moving. So keep moving forward in faith and God will guide you. He will answer you. He will provide. Jesus promises this. Look at verse 9. So here is an example of why we can do that in believing faith. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Many times in the days, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus, bread would be baked and it would, it would sometimes resemble some of the round stones found in that land. And certainly a little child could be, could be tricked that way, right? But w would a dad do that? Of course not. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? And the answer that is demanded here is, well, well, nobody would do that. And that's right. Verse 10. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Now, I don't know this for sure, but I've read that a, a uh, snake, like if you pull the skin off and cook it, it looks a lot like a fish. So maybe you could fool a little child like that or even an adult. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Maybe he even means literally, instead of giving the child a fish, would he just hand him a snake, right? I don't know. I don't know exactly what was meant, but the answer that's demanded is no, of course not. Now here's his point, and it relates back to prayer. If ye then, being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So go back to verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So we are to use spiritual judgment in prayer where we realize who the Father is. God is not there trying to find a way to get out of answering our prayers. He is there to provide what we ask for, what we need in order to bless us. That's using spiritual judgment and prayer. So don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on in believing prayer. All right, now, spiritual judgment practices the golden rule. Here in Matthew 7, verse 12, the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew's Messiah, says, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. 
for this is the law and the prophets. Now, many of the philosophers and teachers and so forth of the past have taught, um, you know, that, you, you know, don't do to somebody what you don't want them to do to you. All right, we get that. Jesus goes way beyond that. He says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you. In other words, they're, they're not doing it yet, but you wish they would treat you correctly this way. Do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That, that puts us on offense. You know, it's hard to win a football game if you're continually playing defense. It's easier, as long as you have a decent defense, it's easier to win a football game if you just have a great offense and get moving, right? That's, that's true if you know anything about American football. I've played it, and I'm telling you, it's way easier to win if you have a basic defense but a really good offense. It's harder to win if you've got a great defense and no offense, because the other team may have a good offense and a good defense. You've got to be able to score points. That's what Jesus is saying here. We should take the initiative. Say, well, everybody's not treating me like I want to be treated. That's his point. So you set the example. Let's make this really real. Does the trash need to be taken out in your house? Yes. But nobody's doing it? No. Then go take the trash out. If you wish other people would do the right thing and treat you right, start setting a pattern for them to copy. <laughs> you go do the right thing. And it's beautiful here at the end of verse 12 because like, if you want to know what, what the Old Testament is about, it's about what we just read. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. If you will live every day that way, you'll be carrying out what the law and the prophets in the Old Testament, that's the heart of them, treating people the right way, right? Love, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Now, spiritual judgment makes, uh, it chooses God's way. It makes the hard choices. It chooses what God would choose for us. But this is especially in relation to eternal life. Verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Now that's a very narrow gate, like a door within a larger door. It's hard to get through on purpose. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Spiritual judgment makes the hard choices, it chooses God's way. So if you are being mocked, perhaps by family and friends, co-workers, teammates, 
total random strangers, everybody on social media for being somebody who's trying to do the right thing as the Lord would have you do. Keep on soldiering, baby. Keep on going forward. Because if if you were doing, <laughs> let me put it this way, if you were going the wrong way, going through the wide gate and on the large road that everybody's on, nobody would be giving you a hard time, right? But you're trying to do what you know is right, live for the Lord, do the right thing, be the right kind of person, and you're taking grief for it, you have got to be doing something right. And the way to eternal life through Jesus Christ, and he's the only way to it, he said so in the New Testament. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said that in John chapter 14. Go look it up. There are not many ways to heaven, many roads to get there, many ways and teachers and saviors and all of that and, I don't know, gurus or whatever. There's one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the straight gate. He is the narrow way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So spiritual judgment says, I don't care how hard it is, I'm going the Jesus way because he is the way to eternal life. Now you can agree with that or not, and the decision you make will determine whether you go to heaven or hell. You see, the, the road that leads to hell, at the very end of that road where it stops, it just drops off into hell Gabillions are happily charging down that road like spiritual lemmings right off the cliff into hell. They mock people like me that tell them the truth about Jesus. They ignore us. They say, oh, I'll do that later while I just have a good time while I'm young. And you know, most of those people never make it over to the narrow way and find the straight gate, and they go right off the end of that broad way into an eternal hell. There's no purgatory. There's no second chance, according to Jesus Christ, period. All right, let's go to verse 15. Spiritual judgment exposes false prophets. False prophets? Aren't all prophets supposed to be true to God? Well, you would think, absolutely. But hey, what does Satan do? He counterfeits that which is true and valuable. So if God has true prophets and true teachers, true preachers, Satan's gonna crank out the counterfeits in mass quantities. Spiritual judgment exposes false prophets. Now, I may not be able to stop them, false prophets and teachers and false preachers, but I can sure see them and avoid them and warn others, amen? Now, outside the office where I'm podcasting today, I noticed yesterday a vine had come up very quickly. It reminded me of uh, 
the vine that came up quickly for the prophet Jonah. I've never noticed it before, but after a little bit of rain, all of a sudden there it was. And I believe it could be the vine of a watermelon or some type of, of gourd, because that's what it looks like. And I remember seeing those when I was a child. But it could be something else. I don't know. But you know what? You know how I'm going to know? The fruit it produces. If it stayed there long enough and it produced, it reproduced, let's say it puts out watermelons, guess what? If it's a watermelon vine, if it puts out a cantaloupe, it was cantaloupe, right? You see what I'm saying? Bear that in mind as we listen to what the Lord says here. Let's go to verse 15. Spiritual judgment exposes false prophets. So get rid of the idea that we're never to judge. That is an incorrect understanding of what the Lord said in verses 1 and 2 that we've already seen in Matthew 7. Here, we are to make a discernment. We are to judge. Verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now, prophets often wore sheep's clothing, wool garments, and that was a very common sign of a prophet. The thing that I always think of here, and it may not be correct, is cartoons where we see, you know, where somebody's watching a, a flock of cartoon sheep and the wolf wants to eat one of the sheep. So somewhere, I don't know where he gets it, he's got a, a uh, sheep costume or the skin of a sheep that he killed last. And he, he wears that and sneaks in the flock to get the next victim. That's what I always remember. I don't think that's what the Lord had in mind here when he said this, but that's the mental picture I get. Either way, a false prophet comes among the sheep. Now, these are the people of God that love the Lord. The wolf comes among the sheep, and he looks like one of the sheep. Get it? He looks like a true prophet of God. But Jesus says here, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. That is, they want to devour these sheep. They're not part of them and they're not there to help them. They're there to take advantage of the sheep for their own benefit, right? Jesus says in verse 16, now by the way, if we were to never have discernment or judgment, we could not do what he tells us to do in verse 16. Ye shall know them by their fruits. That is, if I'm watching someone that purports to be a prophet, preacher, teacher of God, then I need to pay attention to them and their life because what their life produces is going to tell me who they really are. And he gives this example, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And the answer demanded is, well, of course not. And that's right. No, they don't. Verse 17, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
So like when I was at my grandmother's as a little boy, she had a pear tree. How did I know it was a pear tree? It produced pears, right? Um, if a tree was dead, it wouldn't produce anything that was worth anything, right? Or dying, like a diseased tree. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So let's say it was a fig tree and I pull a fig off of it and try to eat it and there's just something like major league wrong with this. There's something wrong with that tree, right? Same thing with false prophets, false teachers, false preachers. Do not be um, a gullible gale. <laughs> Do not be a gullible Gary and just go to church anywhere and not use any discernment. Most places you would go, the preachers and you know the teachers and so forth are, going to, are hopefully going to be correct. But there are places you could go where they're going to lead you so far away from Jesus. It's scary. Use some discernment. You can't sit under a false prophet, false preacher or teacher for decades and not know it. If you are in the Word of God fairly quickly, you will begin to say, hey, they're teaching something that's not in the Bible, or they're teaching this completely wrong, or uh, tell me again why they need their own corporate jet. Not to say that's always wrong all the time, but um, you might ought to look into that. You know what I'm saying? Think about what I just said. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. What does he mean there, Pastor Ed? Just what he said, and that ought to be a big warning to you and to everybody. Figure it out. Verse 20, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. That's where we're using that spiritual judgment, that spiritual wisdom and discernment to realize that, you know, perhaps I'm not in the right church. <laughs> Move to another church where everything is the way it should be in terms of the leadership and the teaching and all of that. Verse 21, he drives this point home even further. Like maybe you go somewhere and you think, but they're doing miracles there. And I just feel so energized. It's just so spiritual. It's so positive when I'm there. Uh, hang on there, Bubba. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Now, these were good preachers. <laughs> and in thy name, if cast out devils, you should have just been there, Pastor Ed. Demons were cast out of those people. And in thy name, done many wonderful works. It looked like a real miracle to me, Pastor Ed. I think somebody was healed there. I know them personally. They were healed there. All right, well, hey, listen, all of that's not automatic proof they're the real deal, right? Hang with me here. Track with me, as the young people say. Think about this. 
Jesus Christ himself is saying, many will say to me in that day. Now, think about that. We all think of judgment day and answering to God. Jesus says they will be answering to me. Whoa. Jesus is telling us here in verse 22, I am God. And he's saying here, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. He doesn't even dispute them. I don't know if those were real or not, but he doesn't even get into that. Verse 23, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's sin. Wow. Well, Pastor Ed, I'm really confused now. How can people be running around calling out Lord, Lord, and preaching great messages and doing miracles and demons are being cast out of people? Hey, Jesus says it's possible. Don't be deceived. Because he says in verse 23 that he's going to say to many of them, this is not everyone that saith unto me, right? He's going to say to many of them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. How is this possible? I don't know. Sometimes I sit and wonder, like, how is it possible to be around the things of God and even look like the real deal and end up appearing before Jesus Christ at the end of, you know, before eternity begins and find him saying, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So be very discerning regarding spiritual leaders. They may be the real deal. They may not. Spiritual judgment leads to obedience to the Lord. Verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock that is, like he dug down to a foundation before he built his house on it, so it wouldn't move, right? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and notice, both people hear what Jesus says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, that is, they do not take it to heart and put it to work in their life and apply it to their life. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Are you kidding me? Somebody didn't even dig down and build on the rock. They just built their house on the shifting sand. Like maybe they built it in a river, dry riverbed. That would be pretty dumb, wouldn't it? I saw on YouTube this week videos of flash floods where 
dry riverbeds are, are completely bone dry one minute and a minute later there's a raging flood going down through them. It's amazing. Look it up. You'll see videos that will blow your mind. Well, maybe that's a picture here. So it says, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew, you know, just like the first house, and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Wow. Jesus says you are showing spiritual judgment, wisdom, spiritual discernment when you hear what he says in the Sermon on the Mount and everything he says, and you let it influence your life and change your heart, and you begin to guide your life by the, by the guidance of the Lord Jesus Christ and his truth. Are you doing that? <laughs> Let me tell you how this Sermon on the Mount hit the hearers. They realized that Jesus Christ is the walking definition of spiritual judgment. Look at verses 28 and 29. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They were they were like, it hit them with such impact, they were almost knocked out of their minds. Wow. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, their religious teachers, the scribes, would quote 23 other people to make their point instead of just saying what God said. Jesus comes as God in human form and he lays it down and he's not appealing to anybody's authority. He is the authority. He is the walking definition of spiritual judgment. Now listen, friends, I want to share with you some more spiritual judgment. In Romans 3.23, we're told, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 10, 8 through 13, we read, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is spiritual judgment right there, spiritual wisdom. Now, 
you need, if you don't have him already, you need Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And then you'll know for certain how your eternity will turn out. And instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with him. I'm going to give you a phone number you can call for help. 877-247-2426. Also, you can go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. Well, I'm so happy that you joined us for this episode of This Week in the Word, where we've seen Matthew's Messiah teach us about spiritual judgment. I hope you will subscribe, follow this podcast, and share it right where you are right now from the podcast. Share it with someone that they can listen as well. Thank you for listening. I look forward to teaching again next week. God bless you this week.